But first, here's a new one from recording artist Bakar. Up and coming. Introducing the new Body Talk. This is your host, Doc J, in the house. 
today we're going to be taking a listen to some music by Nookie, an indigenous rapper all the way from Australia, whose lyrics are powerful and whose beats are hard. We're going to be hearing an interview, parts one through four, with indigenous rapper Helen Back. And later, we're going to dive into some issues facing the islands, the Kama'aina, the traditional people of Hawaii, and the Samoans. What it's like to be a Samoan, a day in the life. We're going to take a look at some traditional ink work, tattooing Hawaiian, and the annual gathering of Hawaii and their native sovereignty. Tonight on Body Talk, hang on. What's up everybody, I'm Tito here watching the Native Entertainment Show. This is the very first show of 2016 and I have the pleasure, the honor of after 13 years of talking to this dude, sitting down finally in a Skype interview with one of the founding fathers of Native Rap, Helen Back. Welcome to the show. What up? How y'all doing, man? What's up, Tito? How's <laughs> things, man? What's up? How's things? Good? Things good, yeah, yeah. Been busy. I, uh, dang, you know what? I was looking back at, uh, um, the last interview we did was 13 years ago in Mafia Magazine. <laughs> And man, it's been a while. Long time. Yeah, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And um, back then, you uh, um, you had done a, a few things. One of the things that you did um, was uh, you dropped an EP, had six tracks on it, because I, I was going through the article reading it. And um, you also got cast in a movie called Striker, and your role was <laughs> Thug One. <laughs> If you remember that, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I remember that. That was a long time ago, man. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Tell me, tell me. I remember talking. Was that? Yeah. I remember that. I, I totally remember that. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the movie. I want to know about the movie, what happened, because I know you were working on the soundtrack, too. Um, The movie, you know, uh, people will be able to say that it's, 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 a, it's definitely original. Yeah. It's... um. The storyline behind it and everything, I don't really want to touch upon it. Just, you know, it was made in Winnipeg, and that's about it. It was dope. It was fun to work on. I like doing the soundtrack. I got to do a lot of good music on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The movie itself is a bit sus in some some ways, but, you know, I mean, I guess that, that was the director's interpretation of some things. Mm-hmm. But you got to watch it to understand what I mean. Yeah. And, I'm pretty sure it's available. You can order it and stuff like that from a company called Wild Boars or something like that. You got a copy of but it at your yeah, house? I, I do have a copy of it, actually. Yeah. And um, I have another copy that I'm actually going to get. Because, like, the people that I worked on the soundtrack, a lot of them have gone on to do, like, a lot of great things. Yeah. So I'm going to get, I'm, like, trying to get this one copy that I could get a bunch of people to sign. And mm-hmm. then there's just, I don't know, donate it to something or try to raise some money for something towards oh, cool. it or auction it online yeah. and give uh, proceeds to charity something like that you know i mean yeah little things like that are, are, are i like doing like like things like that lately so what, what's your biggest yeah. uh, charity that you would give it to 
We've been given to a lot of like, um, like me and my wife, we've done um, some coat drives and stuff like that. And we've given um, like things to uh, this, like um, different missions across Winnipeg and whatnot. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I like to raise a lot of awareness towards um, diabetes and diabetes awareness and research and whatnot. And uh, my wife does a, a lot of things. She she actually runs the Pink Party. She owns and runs the Pink Party with Native Model Studio. Oh, she owns it. And- yeah, yeah, she owns the, the the pink party name and whatnot, and they do the party all over the place and everywhere they do it, it sells out. So oh, that's, um, cool. that's where I'm, I'm going to be performing there this year yeah. at uh, the Albuquerque. It's my first time performing in the states in a long time. Yeah, uh, especially at a gathering. So um, it's, I got this new album going, and I got another bunch of different projects going. And but yeah, that she's she's she wants to raise a lot of awareness towards cancer and breast cancer and whatnot and like you know it's just like the way i look at it we're we're in a, a good position to where we could raise good awareness yeah. amongst like people around us like mm-hmm. you know it could be it could be white native black whatever i mean it doesn't really matter to me i mean yeah. as long as we raise awareness to anybody and everybody because everybody gets affected by by these things myself i'm a diabetic also mm-hmm. so like um i you know i i go around and i I don't preach or anything. I just like teach certain facts to kids and awareness and how to spot it and you know just just keep them informed and whatnot. Because a lot of there's a lot of kids out there in yep. native country and in just like schools in general that really don't understand fully about how that stuff affects you and whatnot. Well, I mean, with their diet, I mean, our so-called quote-unquote traditional diet is <laughs> basically um, derived from the uh, the. <laughs> government trying to starve us out and throw on us crap food so we had to well know. that's why you gotta you gotta you gotta keep it i mean like see look i'm, I'm gonna show you something you yep. know i'm gonna <laughs> you can put this in your interview <laughs> all night. like I, I love cooking yeah and i got some moose i got moose meat Ooh. cooking here Damn. Uh, shout out to my father-in-law he he they, they're from up north and across yep. lake manitoba and they came down here for a there was a family situation uh and um they they were leaving the road yesterday and they just gave me these two big bags of moose. So I'm like, oh, like, I try to eat as much. What does moose meat, meat taste like? I've never had moose meat. I was I don't know, man. I like it tastes like heaven to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like I it's I I next time I'm down, maybe when I come down, I'll see if I can bring some some to some to uh, Albuquerque or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like for real. So like, you're I talking love, to a chubby guy here. I love to eat, so hell yeah, I'll join you up for some. Uh... <laughs> well, that's the thing. Eating, eating food like this, it's it's the traditional foods, but it's like yeah. healthy. The way yeah. you cook it and prepare, it, it's yeah. healthy. This stuff is a lot leaner and a lot less fatty than a lot of things out there. So. Like yeah, yeah, no, like no that's, what, that's what I mean. Like earlier when I was saying about traditional food, I was talking about like a lot of the foods that we consider traditional now come from commods, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm going to make some traditional food. It's like, that's not traditional food. That, you know, <laughs> that's survival food. That's true, you know. Like even like with the, going back on the whole diabetes thing, like I'm, my wife is, she really, like there was a real big scare for myself mm-hmm. like a couple, like how many years back and uh, yeah. my wife got me thinking a lot more healthier yeah like for my kids sake and everything like i used to be like really like i'm not saying that i'm I'm super skinny dude but like i'm a lot thinner than i used to be yeah and uh if you look at like my old videos from like war party days and whatnot i was a big i was a big dude and now nowadays i'm i cut out a lot of things like salt i cut out salt and white sugar in my house i don't um i don't eat pork i mean 
like I'm even gonna be converting to like coconut oil and stuff like that instead of like it's just it's just like eating right and that's what I go out on on the reses in different places and and I talk to the kids about that mm-hmm. you know because they're still at, like I don't see any different change in like the cooking and the taste of anything it's just it's just once you like I I used to eat a lot of pork dude like pork 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 every day pork but then I just got sick of it. And my wife just told me a bunch of facts that I ended up looking up and and it was just nuts. And I just ended up stopped eating. The one biggest thing that was hard was bacon. Well, look, as a, as a, as a hip-hop artist, like, as, as a hip-hop artist, um, the, uh, as, a, as a hip-hop artist, uh, one of the things that, like, uh, like, okay, I'm talking about in general hip-hop, right? The, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the idea is to overindulge on whatever it is, sex, money, glory, all this other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how as a hip hop artist, I mean, uh, like coming through the years, so, so let's, let's, let's actually back it up real quick. So back in the, back in the day, um, you know, when, uh, 13 years ago, when we mm-hmm. first touched base with mafia magazine, um, uh, back yeah. then you were already 15 years into your career. And yeah. You were one of the founding, you are one of the founding fathers of the native rap game, native hip-hop, um, native rap in general. And and in in those first 15 years, because I do want to talk about the stuff that we're talking about right now, but I want to lead up to yeah. it because all of this is real important because I understand where mm-hmm. you're coming from because right now, like I'm drinking coffee and the uh, I'm, I'm using agave. I'm not using sugar, yeah, and yeah. then the sugar I do got in the house, um, I use brown sugar. You know, the, the they're kind of like larger grains. I don't use the. Uh, yeah. I try to stay away from the GMO sugar, and I try to stay away from the uh, filtered white sugar and all that stuff. So I get that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I but I want to go back to like the the origin. You know, get down to the origin story and the origins of um, uh, Helen Back, who used to go by the name Kool Aid the Chubby Cree. Because as yeah. we talk about the, the, the chubbier Helen Beck, you know, that's what I started thinking about. Because that's in that article, when we did that, you, that was your name at that time. So, and, you, and you had stated that uh, you wanted to work with Nate, Tomahawk, Funk, and Black Eyed Peas. Has, has, have you uh, touched base with any of them, worked with any of them? You know what? Um, I'm not going to lie. No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I admire their grind and everything. Uh, but we were just, like, after, after that interview... It was it was at a time when I was working on so much things that I really didn't understand uh, what mostly I really really wanted to do. I just knew yeah. I was like engulfed in music, and I was always doing it, it was twenty four seven type thing. You know, like it it really was everything in my my entire life. You know, I, at the time I was just meeting my my wife. You know, I just recently got married. You know, yeah, yeah, I know that. You know what? I forgot to say that. Congratulations! I said it online, but I want to say it to you now. Congratulations! When, when I was talking to you back in the day, that's when I basically was just like me and my wife were just like basically getting to know each other, and and, and we were, we started we started living with the, with each other and chilling and visiting, and you know, it's just the beginning of everything. Anyway, so like Adrian Chelopas like, said, I, I just, you uh, you did it traditionally. I didn't really understand what where I was going to be going, and then when we started really doing. That soundtrack work, because at the same time we were doing the soundtrack, we were also recording the Res Official album, you know. And uh, when we were recording the Res Official album, that's when I, I, I recently just left the War Party whole thing. And when time came for me to move, I moved to Winnipeg, and then I've I've been here since. Yeah. And whatnot, and and like I just I I didn't like, like I said like I didn't really understand or know like I I knew when 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 I 
when I was doing the interview, those are people that I looked up to. I never really thought I'd ever reach out to any of them. You know, <laughs> I think it would be cool to work with them. Like, honestly, to this day, if, if, if it was ever at all possible. Mm-hmm. But I'm the kind of guy that I like putting, I don't know, like, I, I like proving my worth, you know, to a lot of things, so to a lot of extent. So at that point, I was just doing so much work and we're just, you know, we basically started the whole grind with the res official thing with, with me and Jesus and Tommy Slav and J-Mac and Stomp at the time and, yeah. you know, Lakeside and and, and, and the, like, <clears throat> Big Slim and everybody, you know, like all of us were, we're just so focused on working. And then when we got it done, that became the main focus was the res official thing. And then yeah, our, our building, our, our name again from the ground up, you know, reinventing, reinventing myself as an artist again. Yeah. Because, you know, I did it so many years with the Kool-Aid, the Chubby Creek. Like, if you go back home, like, if we go, if I go to Hobima, mm-hmm. I know I'm home because everybody's calling me Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. When I moved here, everybody just started calling me Helly, Helen Bat, yeah. whatever, whatever, you know? And then, so, it, it, like, it became the main focus, was just getting out there and doing it again. And then we, we hustled hard and, and made made that name stick, you know? Now, Res Official is... Is a staple now. Res official. Every when you talk about res official, people know who res official is mm-hmm. among native country. You know, it doesn't. It's not. Now it's the same thing as when we talk about Dreesus. Everybody knows who Dreesus is. Yeah. You know, throughout native country, that name is huge. You know, and and then myself, Helen Back. If you if you know, if you talk about Helen Back or you know Kool Aid, and they that they know us. And that's from that groundwork. You know, we both came in that groundwork. We were, we we didn't come up at the same time. Me and Dreesus. And Tommy Slab, but you know, when we did finally connect and start doing the track and making the res official joint, uh, you know, Dreesus was actually a res official member before I was. I was like the fourth member, fourth, fifth member of that crew. Okay. And then I came in after they were grinding, and then we just kind of just blanketed everything and had a really good time doing it. So, yeah. You know, that, it, it, yeah, you know, like I, that, that became just like, like back I'm saying, that just became the main focus. So I, I wanted to build our name up and build a build everybody else around us and, and make them take us more serious. So, you know, that, and we did that. We did that collectively and, and yeah, so that was the main, if I could work with those guys nowadays, you know, I, I would definitely love to work with them. But, um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> no, I haven't reached out to them. So. You haven't reached out to them? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I Maybe one of these, maybe, maybe I should. I make it look easy when I do this Like Bruce Lee with a few kicks I got new keys for a new whip And a few G's, no white cliff I hold it down for my tribe You won't breathe till I die You and me do not vibe Bitch, I see through all them lies I'm the Tupac of my city All lies on me, no biggie When they rely on me, I get it Bring it, payback's been on missing Boy, I'm ten plus to win it That's ten toes in the field Now them folk gon' get it My whole team go villas Line on my key card and the doorways lumbered. And these black ass got an A class, I'm nice and comfy. And my flow eyes for unkies. And I say stacking unkies. And I don't talk to gunjis. Only God can judge me. Look, always was. Always will be. Bitch, I die hard. 
They can never kill me. Always was. Always will be. My team here to stay. Have me got us a kill streak. Look, look, look. I know you little team won't be us. Any little dude won't see us. Never back down with Jada. What they at now with Jada? Ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, murk em, ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, ay, whoa. I know you little team won't be us. Any little dude won't see us. Never back down with Jada. What they at now with Jada? Ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, murk em, ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, ay. Always was, always will be. Got these dogs all filthy. Take a shot, you can't kill me. Got the wars in the building, and our laws infinite. Got the mob here winning. Got the squad here with me. Yeah, always was, always will be. Put some respect on my name. Pedal down, no brakes. Busting at them with the flames. I'm going hard in the paint. Feel this dog in the face. Bring my fam in the chains. Let them feel our pain. Us and them not the same. This is life, not a game. Competition, get wasted. See what I want and I take it. Me and them no now face it, always was, always will be Got these dogs all filthy Take a shot, you can't kill me I'm a god, no Achilles I'm the new Jimmy Little, playing them heartstrings. 20 deep in the red Taraga, listen to my passing. All the pain that that brings, all the lies that that brings, all the pride that that brings, all the drive that that brings. Pick your side, pick your side. Look alive, look alive. We them guys, we them guys. Gotta cut them ties. Time to up the ante. Like it's MOP, but we the MOB. They don't let us in, but we never leave, we never leave. They don't see what we see, we see, we see. They don't speak, I talk, they don't sound like me. Check the way that we maneuver. Hey, don't stop in this black future, huh? They don't see what we see, we see, we see. They don't speak, I talk, they don't sound like me. Check the way that we maneuver. Hey, don't stop in this black future, huh? Miss me with that coulda, woulda, shoulda. I got a big black heart, even bigger black gurus. Oh, oh, what a mix, what a mix. Holy shit, holy shit. I'm the kid, I'm the kid. Ain't no one fucking with this. Ain't no one fucking with this. Throw hands like I'm bam bam. Now give me 50k. I'm the black band, damn, and this blood's bored, and I'm all up in their face. In their face, face, face. They getting dropped, 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 dropped. They don't see what we see, we see, we see. They don't speak, I talk, they don't sound like me Check the way that we maneuver Hey, don't stop in this black future, huh? They don't see what we see, we see, we see They don't speak, I talk, they don't sound like me Check the way that we maneuver Hey, don't stop in this black future, huh? 
Um, I've been connecting with a lot of other young come up dudes uh, from the states, like uh, Natani Means and and those cats building with Superman and Red Cloud and them for years. So those mm-hmm. are, those guys are like family, you know, Crystal Lightning. And, yeah, you know, just just maintaining those those friendships. Like Night Shield, Night Shield is one of my that's my dude. That's that's a good good dude, you know. And I can honestly say we've only been in the same room since we went on tour back in the day, like maybe once or twice. Yeah. But still to this day, that that that's a homeboy, you know. What I mean, like Chase Manhattan, you know. I got a lot of like I got a lot of respect for the states. I got a lot of respect for everybody down there, you know. I got I, I think, I think you they they understand what it takes. To, to take it to that next level shit. I mean, I'm just trying to break into the States. I know I know the States knows. Like, some, some people in the States know who I am, I guess. But to me, I'm looking to break into that market. And, and, and it's not even, like, trying to utilize these guys. These are guys are just guys I know. I've known for a long time. And, yeah. You know, and, and we connect and we're cool. Well, see, so, that, you know, okay, I, so you touched on something there. Um and and if you can, if if you have a uh, earbuds or anything that you can put in, it helps uh, cut out the delay. Um, uh-huh. But um, the a lot of times when I talk to people and stuff, like um, and I watch uh, the, the the music industry in general, right? And uh-huh. I, I do my best to pay attention to to. I mean, obviously, I've been doing this for <laughs> quite a number of years, and I try to mm-hmm. my best to pay attention to who's coming up, who came, and who fizzled out, who you know this and that and the other and um one thing that it seems like is is you have a perception that cats and you know people artists in in the states have it figured out we're always feeling like you guys in canada got it figured out i mean all the best music (laughs) videos are coming from you guys you guys make more um club oriented dance getting pussy type music you know and and over here in the states it seems like everybody's like on that rough shit still you know like i'm gonna beat your ass with the fucking dun 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 like really hard shit and it's like dang and then it seems like a lot of people and i'm not downing anybody i just call it like i see it and i you know um it seems like a lot of people from down here in the states have more uh like, they'll just grab a video camera and start recording. I mean, that's the way I did it when I first started coming out. I was like, fuck, yeah. I ain't seen no music videos, so I'm going to start pumping out music yeah. videos and shit. And and you guys up there got something going on. I don't know if you guys got a golden goose or something, but you guys are pumping out, like, quality music <laughs> I, videos. I, I honestly think, like, like being being a, the, the veteran the veteran artist that I am, like, I've seen a, the, the come up of it. Mm-hmm. And for us, back in the day... It had to be quality, like it had to be, it had to be, it had to be quality, like because yes. you, you can go out and buy like a fucking VHS. Like I'm talking VHS. I'm not talking, you know, this whole little mini computer. I'm talking to you in the middle of my hand. Yeah, shit, yeah. You know? yeah. I'm, I'm talking. About, I'm I'm from the era where, you know, we didn't have a market. We had to make the market. Yeah. We had to sit around with on a fax machine, like this one, like I do nowadays. I I, I still hustle like that. Yeah, I use fax machines to this day. Every like, but we I'm talking about back in the day when I I'm coming up from, you know, dial up <laughs> hearing that for like about a good half an hour. And it takes about an hour to send one page, you know, like I'm I'm talking about that that hustle. But we made we made that grind. And like, yeah. back in the day when when it was about music videos. My I, I, I give props to my my, my boys 
Stomp and Rex Small Boy because mm-hmm. they really actually set that standard with us in a sense because for stomping them, you know, like we could. And you're, and you're talking like, about just you know, for the for the viewers that are watching right now. For, you're for like everything, war party. like the whole the whole the whole foundation of it in a sense because back in the day, like we could have just grabbed any 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 camcorder and made videos and then try to drop them whatever. Mm-hmm. But with stomping them, it was it was more like quality over quantity you know what i mean like we they we could record a hundred songs and then a hundred of them would be whack right you know but if you he he was the one that actually taught us they like rex and rex and rex and stomp were the ones that actually kind of instilled in us that it's not all about as much tracks as you can make it's about the quality of the tracks right you know so they, so so they were a huge influence on on the artist that you eventually became well yeah well i'm, I'm like you know i'm at, at times nowadays, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm, I don't chill with them anymore. You know, we're not like everyday buddy type friends anymore. Everybody grows up, yeah, and whatnot. But like back in the day, I I can't I can't lie. You know, I went through some personal things against against certain artists and mm-hmm. whatnot coming up, and you know, I'm gonna leave it at that. But at the end of the day, I can't disrespect somebody because I, they showed me how to hustle. They showed me how to grind. I was right. a young dude at the time. And they showed me a lot of things, and you know, like I did, at the time when I first met met Stomp and, and Rex, Rex and Stomp, mm-hmm. you know, it, I didn't. I was just a freestyle dude. I was just like busting rhymes everywhere I could, and and this and that, and writing, writing, writing. But I didn't even know how to really write. Oh, so you I were just, you so know. so the day, what, like were you at parties and stuff? Just you know, just throwing out of sight. No, or I was. Or? I was. I was. In, I was in between Muscogee's, Alberta, Hobie, Alberta, and and. In Calgary, Alberta. Uh-huh. My mom, my mom raised like she was a single mom raising two teenage boys, and and she she her thing was wanted to get me off the res so I can go to a different high school, different right. schools and stuff, okay. you know. And you know, so I went to different schools, and then when it came time where I started going back home more and more, and I started meeting people because I I started getting into hip hop. My brother, my brother, his name is Brian. He got me into hip hop. He introduced me. What to, year was this? Oh, that's just, man. I can't even. I can't even recall. It, it was so long ago. But it'd be in the eighties, like, though, right? He, I remember he he introduced me to like artists like like Fat Boys and uh, Public Enemy. So and, you're talking um, about way, uh, you know, mid eighties. I'm talking long time ago when I was just growing up. Yeah, he, he was like I was into heavy metal. Yeah, I was really into Heavy a lot of Faith No Mores and all those other groups and Metallica's, and, you know what I mean? Like I was in that era, and then um, I always wanted to do something in hip hop. Mm-hmm. But the main person that actually made me really love it was my brother, right? And because he was into hip hop and he was break dancing and all this other stuff and whatnot, and he knew how to do windmills and all this other shit. He was, <laughs> he was the dude. Yeah, he was the dude in my head. But like for me, I was a chubby dude. I didn't know how to break dance. Yeah. I'd, I'd dance my ass off, but I, I wasn't breakdancing. It was more like breaking my ass. <laughs> but like I, I would, I would dance. But I, I started writing poetry at a younger age. Right. I started writing poetry when I was like eight, and my mom. This is a weird story. It's a weird because it's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like I, back in the day during music class during when I was like grade three or some shit. Yeah, the teacher could play an instrument, and then I can play exactly what the teacher played without looking at it. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Just yeah, like yeah, yeah. hearing it. Yeah, but I, I never 
carried that on. Like, I don't play an instrument. I'm not, I'm not going to lie nowadays. Yeah. But that's something that my mom brings up when people ask her certain things. Because she remembers that thing. I don't really remember it, but she does. And it was just, like, something inside me that was always into music. Like, always into something. I always wanted, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be something. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And then my brother introduced me to hip-hop. You know, Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five, you know, KRS One, um, Africa Bambada, like Fat Boys. The Fat Boys were a major influence in, in, in what I do. I can you I, can you do the the Fat Boy? Can can you do the Fat can you do the Fat Boy thing? See, and that's why I'm saying like if you could put in some uh, some earbuds because it cuts the delay. But can you I mean, you remember the Fat Boys? Uh, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, can't do that yeah, shit, but. If you listen to the BTBB song on my album, uh-huh. you know that that song we it's sampled by it's it's Buffy the Human Beatbox. That's what the BTBB stands for. Yeah, it's my dedication to him. It's it's a song about how how Fat Boys and the, the beatbox and everything kind of influenced native hip hop through me. Yeah, because if it wasn't for them. I honestly don't know if I would have been into hip hop as much. And see, and, and, I, and bringing that—that's that's actually a really good segue to talk about the influence that that all people can have on each other. Because the uh, the mm-hmm. Fat Boys weren't—they weren't black. They were, I believe, Italian. I know they were Caucasian, but they were Italian. And and here they are influencing an indigenous rap artist to get involved in a movement who <laughs> then in turn. Me, what's that? I didn't really care about the race. To no, no, me, that's, but was, that's what I'm saying. Just, oh. You know, it was just dope. Like, to me, it was just like, wow, look at these dudes. Yeah. They're making movies. They're, they're making albums. They're making this and that. And they're all big, chubby dudes. and You know <laughs> what I mean? And that's where, that's where honestly, where Kool-Aid the Chubby Creek kind of came from. Yeah. Because I was just more proud of everything. Like, I didn't give a shit. To me, I found my niche. I didn't have to try to be somebody else. Mm. I didn't have to try to get skinny. I didn't have to try and, you know... Blonde up my hair or some shit. I didn't have to do any of this and that. To me, I found that image, and that image was already me. And it was just, yeah, I can wrap my ass off. And I, I like back in the day, I battled anybody. Like today, nowadays, I still battle anybody. Oh yeah. Like I remember first meeting native artists that I know days that are cool, like we're, we're chill. When I first met them, I was like, well, let's go outside and fucking bust these bars. You know, like I, <laughs> you can ask any one of them. You know, like and, and that's just that's just because you know. I, I believe in myself. I and, and you in have, uh, you, just talking about that, you have uh, 16 bars. Tell me about that. 16 bars is, um, 16 bars is like, um, basically, I go around, I go around the country, like go around Canada, and I talk to kids about rap music. I talk to kids about native influence and hip hop and where we go. And what's good about it is I get to bridge the gap too from, from the kids and the adults. Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of adults out there who think hip hop is bad. Yeah. There's a lot of adults who think hip hop is gangster, shoot them up, deal this, deal that, bitch this, bitch that, fuck, fuck, <laughs> you know? And when I talk to them about it, I, I kind of like, I get it. It's, it's, it's a cool little platform where I can explain how we are as artists. Like, I'm, I'm a family man, you know, like, I've I've made dumb music back in the day, but you know nowadays my music and my message is more or less my family and what I do for a living, and, and that's my family and my family, 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 my wife, my kids, and I go out and talk about talk about that. But with, with sixteen bars, I touch on everything. I touch on everything on how life changed and how hip hop changed my life for me, and how you know I'd also touch on the diabetes awareness and, and, and you know and, uh, bullying in school and suicide prevention how hip-hop you know got me through that too because i am a survivor of suicide you know i have tried it 
and it's not something that I'm, 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 I'm proud of, but it is something that I do tell people because I have been through it and I have survived and I understand the dangers of it, you know? And, and that's like, like I've been everywhere. I've been on TV and all sorts of stuff, but depression can hit you at any time. You know what I'm saying? So like I go out and tell people if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody, you know? Like I, I, a lot of people look at what I'm doing and they think, oh man, he made it. You know, he's, 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 he's this and that, he's on TV and well, you know, depression can hit you at any time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I go out there and talk to talk to a lot of kids about that, but it all pertains to hip-hop and our involvement in hip-hop and how we've actually been in hip-hop since its inception into mainstream media, you know, with the, with Melly Mel and all that, being half Cherokee from what I'm reading and everything like that, then, and Ernie Pensacoli being there right from the jump. Like, that, that, that dude is my dude, like, I salute him all day. I can't wait to meet him. We we were, we were friends online and whatnot, and he was actually on my album too. He uh, phoned me up and gave me an inspirational message that I ended up making a track on my oh, album. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wrong place at the wrong time Or was it just the right skin for another white crime It wasn't the wrong place and it wasn't the wrong time And there's no shades of grey when it's that black and white The whole nation's quiet Time is at a standstill Do black lives matter when white hands kill? Cause black children are being taken by white hands still And this feel like a black line Our our bodies just landfill It's like Mile Creek and Minamara Just look at all the blood spilled Part of me wants to curl up and cry The other half wants retribution How many fucking times does this happen before we find a solution? TJ, Elijah, Cash is cool and dry Crime's unjustified And we all know it'd be a different story if them kids were white My heart goes out to their families I hope they get peace But my heart also wants destruction all over these fucking streets I wanna see their flags draped in fire And I wanna hear some truth come out of these fucking liars I just want some love But I also want it back in blood Enough is enough I just want it to resolve And I hope somebody puts a fucking spear for Zachary Rolf Time and time again Outcry, social media trend Genocide has never stopped So why do we pretend black lives are lost White lives protect Another white life to defend You can cut the thorns off a rose But the scars still mark the stem It's a fucked up system We all know that It just takes and takes And never gives back There's no justice It's just us And that's white and black 2022 reflects 1788 I'm not surprised that this shit, as fucked as it is We all need to do better cause it shouldn't exist No parents should ever have to bury their kid It was 15, just 15 years old Such an innocent soul I can't believe the fucking narrative being sold Wrong place, wrong time, now my heart's turned cold This country, forever stained in blood Too many black lives here, sent home forever young There's no justice, cousin, it's just us
stay G'd up You and Bree from the feed up Tell them boys ease up by Big Mungo feed cunts And I ain't got no reason, eh So out of season, eh This my fucking season Tell them all fucking season Look, wanna get up in your feelings I don't really wanna hear it And I mean it when I said it Really mean it when I said it On the meanest with a sentence I don't really wanna step No shit, I'm a weapon, eh don't go and poke at your chest Swimming way out of your depth Hold it down for my set Nothing more, nothing less Cause he fuck up the game like Ella We not the same like Ella Fuck up the scene like Ella Fuck them and their team like Ella Look Ella, look Ella, look 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 Ella It's all about it's all about progression and, and I don't regret anything that I have ever done in my life because it made me the person I am today. You know what I mean? I so, hear that brother. Yeah. So for family wise, family is my shit. That's it wholeheartedly. I, I support anybody out there. Talking anybody about family, you got a- you got an album, Family Over Everything, and you got yeah. your t- tell me about the cover art, tell me about the photography, and then tell me about the album. The album, the photography was done by Tyson Anderson. He's a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, he had he had we, we were good, like I was doing the album at breakneck speed. I wanted to get it done, uh, and then next thing you know, I hit up my man Abstract Art Form. He uh, actually just did a track and an album with uh, Doodlebug. But you can go Google it. It's called Living Proof. Okay. And um, Doodlebug from Diggable Planets, and he's he's a He's a half-native here from here in Winnipeg. A lot of people don't know that he's half-native, you know, but he's a half-native dude from Winnipeg, and he's killing them out there, like college charts and everything. He he let me record my album at his studio. Mm-hmm. Like He wanted to work, so he's on the album, too. He's on a song called How Long on the album. But um, he let me record it at his house, and he has a crazy studio, good, good place. So I ended up recording it there, and we... Recorded how many tracks for it, and I, I. It was funny when I when I was putting the album together. There was a certain amount of artists and a certain amount of people that I wanted to produce it type deal, and I had this big thing in my head. But then I didn't want to be pushy. I didn't want to be hitting up people and saying, "Hurry up, give me this, give me that." 
I just put the call out and said, you know, I'm going to work on the album. Uh, if you want to work, let, let's work. Hit me up. And then I, I had a bunch of a bunch of good people hit me up that, you know, like believed in the vision of it. Yeah. Believed in just knowing that, okay, I'm going to give you a couple beats. And I, I know for a fact that it's going to go somewhere and it's going to have fun. Right. And that's that was what my whole thing was. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with the album. I just know it's going to be a monster and people want to hear something from me for a long time. And I think it's going to be fun. And when I did it, like Young Aspect, he produces for, you know, uh, Mercules, Snack the Ripper, even like <laughs> Mad Child and uh, the Battle Axe Warrior dudes. He, mm. he, he did a, a bulk of, of their production. And DJ Shub, he used to produce for A Tribe Called Red. Yeah. And then he, they, they went their separate ways. And me and Shub have known each other. He produced BTBB. I've known him for a minute. He's a real, real great dude. Um, Jonathan Garlo. I'm not sure if you remember a group called True Res Crew. Yeah, actually, yeah. Back in the day, True Res. He's, he used to be called Jeeks. He produced two tracks on my album. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, yeah. man, like D Rec, my homeboy from from Vancouver, he produced couple tracks on my album and my man j mac produced a couple tracks more than 400 deaths not one fucking conviction think about that next time you tell me it's all fucking good over this side Fuck it. 400 names who cry now say one Aye. Blood on their hands but no hands in the cuffs uh. 400 names who cry now say one Just say one Just say one Fuck it, fuck it Let's go and lie for a night to the whole world blind Maybe then they won't see colour uh. Fuck it, let's go and lie for a night to the whole world blind Then they really won't see colour uh. Look, the shit isn't you nah. Every few years a fucking pops on the news Again. And you do a few posts, get some clicks, get some views It looks Good on the ground, but what the fuck you really do? Huh? Go on then, go on then. Share your opinion, but the status doesn't change the stats of these killers. And when I say fuck the police, I'm the villain. And when I walk out in the streets, I'm the villain. Shit, 24/7 a week, I'm the villain. And when I see my people bleed, I'm still the fucking villain. Fuck it then, I'm about to play my part. I'ma chop in my spirit, aim it straight at the heart. I'ma sing the sun down, put these cops in the dark, and take them up the mountain, put them down like the dogs that they are. Fuck it. Cause that's where they belong The reaper here and I'm hungry for some souls And I'm keeping bones so there's no moving on It's the free finger law, man, punishment by a song What's the price of freedom and how much justice costs? Ask me the genocide, how's the fucking score? Shit, how much more do I need to take? Rest in power, David, Tanya, Jordan, TJ I hope you fucking feel the pain All this token shit I see doesn't bring change Not in silver water, still in fucking chains I don't want this life on my daughters, let the world go up it's been fucking let them burn, eat the karma Born black, I'd make the same choices out of Tanya Let them burn, fuck the red and blue sirens Let them learn, let the streets run with violence Feel the hurt, now it's time to fucking riot Fuck them, the system, and fuck all the silence Shit, now let me talk to the pigs How would you like it if that were your fucking kids? Now let that sink, stop picking on the black kids Now my blood's awake, it's a chain of Jimmy Blacksmith The silence is loud, we're burning it down You can't avoid the black Let these big motherfuckers know Pam or Roy back Yeah, just tell them Pam or Roy back Tell them Pam or Roy back Slammed him on his face! 
boy. What the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? What the He's in pain, bro. I've never heard that. Slap him on the fucking face. Sometimes it hurts when I look in the eyes of my daughter Cause I know the pain that lays in wait When we take this corner I put the weight of the world on my back Trying to break these chains So she don't carry my trauma And she's only forced how the fuck can I warn her that she might get called a boom, she might get called a coon And the school teachers won't teach the truth She'll have white friends, and they'll have different views Whole world's confused, do you know what that's like? When their blessing is your curse, and that's the privilege of being white Now here's the part where they're saying I'm as white as them See, I was called a black cunt by the white kids But the black kids never called me a white one Now the fight's on, pick a side, pick the right one Cause when it's said and done and truth comes to light That's the side you die on See, I couldn't give a fuck if they changed the day or not And I used my pain to pain a lot Fucking right, it takes a toll trying to save the lost Now fuck that off, huh? Fuck it off, huh? You see, if you let them control your emotions That's when you become a slave And that's their greatest weapon Well, fuck I that Yeah. 
Um, the new album is is called fourteen ninety one. Fourteen ninety one. Like hashtag, but fourteen ninety one. Yeah, fourteen ninety one is is fourteen ninety one nation. That's uh, Red Cloud and myself. The, that's funny about fourteen ninety one is uh, it was actually supposed to be a concept album, mm-hmm. a crew album. Yeah, back in the day, and um, the members of it were myself, Red Cloud, um, Wob Canoe, and Joey Styles. Yeah, and that was supposed to be this like super, super native hip hop album. We, right. we were working on it, but then it just it didn't materialize. Uh, we all started. We all were doing our own thing, type thing, and it just never came. to Like, how long ago but, are you talking about? Like two years ago, five years? I'm talking years ago. Ten like, years, years ago. ago. Right before a lot of everything was popping. Like right, right before like Joey was just popping, and uh, the res official thing started popping, and we were, we were looking for another. Another thing to get down on, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stomp and J-Mac were going to be producing it. But then it just kind of dwindled away and it didn't, didn't materialize. Right. You know? I thought it was going to be a great project, but it just didn't happen. But and I guess it's, it's for the better. But 1491, uh, Red Cloud started running with the, the 1491 Nation, you know. And uh, if I, I don't know if you can see it. I got my tatty. Yeah. That's, that's 1491 Nation. I got that one done. And we're crew, like me and Cloud were the homeboys, and um, I, I figured if anybody can do this, and name an album fourteen ninety one, and you know, I, it, it could be me, <laughs> you know. So like, uh, I, I announced it. I told Cloud and him this is what my new album is, and he wants to jump on it. And I got some, I'm lining up some good things with some good people about this album. Uh, yeah. It's going to be solely produced by. Uh, David Strickland. I'm not sure if you ever heard of him. No. David Strickland is from Eastern Eastern Canada, Toronto, New York area, okay. and whatnot. And uh, he is legendary, like status, native wise, not even native wise, just music wise. Like every major artist in Canada is he native? Worked with the ever. Yeah, he's a native dude. Okay. Look him up, David Strickland, David Strickland. and he. He, um, you know, that OVO, OVO Drake's record label, like he, yeah. he mixes and masters a lot of good stuff for them. He, he works closely with 40 and those guys and whatnot. And he um, actually worked on Drake's Grammy winning Take Care album and whatnot. And he's on Eric Sermon's new album. And he actually, David Strickland just got a grant to, to produce his own album. So he's going to get his, his roster for that album is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Not just native wise. I'm talking like Wu Tang members and uh, Def Squad members and this and that. Like major hip hop heavyweights are going to be jumping on that. On top of like, you know, major Canadian heavyweights like Cardinal and Socrates right. and this and that and myself. And you know, I'm very honored to be on that album. But I'm even very, very honored that he he's producing my album now. Like he he sought out after me to work. Like I've heard about the guy, but I didn't really know too much fully about him until yeah. like I, I kept it real with him and I was like you know I'm not gonna lie with you I don't really know your discography mm-hmm. what have you done and he sent me this thing dude with like six pages just straight up who we worked with and is he worked from everybody that's major in Canada to like Patty LaBelle and, and, and so what was the, the reason state. why he sought you out did he say and he people have been telling him that he's got to work with me you okay. know, if you're gonna work with a native artist, you gotta work with Helly. Okay. And and 
I people were telling me I got to work with him, and then it just so happens uh, we I can't, I can't even remember how we came out to talk. We were, we were just talking about music, just all started like that, and then he's like, "Oh, I got these beats," and he sent me he sent me like nine beats, mm. and every one of them fire, just perfect for what I'm doing. And yeah. like this album, I'm calling it 1491 because I'm gonna I'm not I'm I'm not gonna do that shit that people expect from like a native artist like what you said you know canada comes over a lot of booty shaking type music and partying and shit like that. that's you know that that's not really the whole image yeah that i really want to portray any anymore in a sense you know because like i've done that been there well i just want to clarify i meant that as a compliment and everybody down here is no no like, no no, you know. no I, I know that but i'm just telling you from my point yeah you know like I've been there, done that. They call me Helen back because you know I've been there, done that. Yeah. And whatever, whatever, you know. And now my my whole message for fourteen ninety one is going to be kind of, you know, stand up, stand up for your rights, stand up for who you are. I'm not going to go and be like totally super major political type shit, but it's going to be very more conscious, conscious type shit. You know, I don't want to be on that backpack shit. I'm going to balance it out, but. No, no, that's fine. I love that. I I love that because like even listen. You're gonna see. Yeah, you're gonna see. It's gonna be yeah. fun. You know, it's it's gonna be an album where like this last album I did, Family Over Everything, I didn't really want to cater to nobody but myself. Mm -hmm. And that's that's sad. I don't I don't I hope it doesn't come off as nah, fuck like, you that know, shit. Cocky or asshole ish. Nah, but, you know, no. like I just want to focus on myself and make sure that that I want to make music that I like and my kids like. Nope, I love that. That's refreshing to hear you say that because most people, they're too busy kissing somebody else's ass or like, oh, if I make this the way I feel, they're not going to buy it. There's a reason why I stopped music for so long, too, is because, you know, like the whole output of it kind of got stagnant to me. On top of my own grind and just being in certain addictions, but like a lot of the music kind of just kind of got, you know, you know, when you do it so long, you kind of burn out. Yeah. And I had I had to find my love back again for for the music. I had to find out what made me fall in love with music again. And for me, what made me fall in love with music again was just the, the passion of it. Yeah. And and the understanding of it that music has always taken care of me. And in the time that I didn't use music, man, I'm not gonna lie, fuck, it was it was some some different shit. Trying to work different jobs and this and that and. You know, going to school and this and that. Like I, I don't, I don't knock anybody's hustle who does that and, and goes out because they live a life that's that's fucking. You know, like, I respect that wholeheartedly because I live that. And now, I just noticed that I don't like I don't like making other people money. I like going around and then doing my own thing. And then, amen. And, and music, music is always taking care of me whenever I, I put my head fully into it. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was writing my album, I was selling cars at the time. I was selling cars on the phone, phoning people up I didn't even know and talking to them into buying vehicles, you know? Yeah. And and that's, I guess that's the charisma that I had. Something that that made me understand that, you know, I could still talk to people and I can still get up there and capture people's minds. And then I started writing more and I started doing these collabs with these other artists. And, and you know, I understand that, that struggle and the hustle, but now I... I officially started the business. You know, Helen Back Music is my business now, and yeah. I'm my own boss now. And I'm a stay-at-home pop, so you can hear my daughter. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. So, is that your record label, or, or, <laughs> you, know, or... And, and, you know, like I, I do, I do music 24/7 now. Right. Like I don't.
But is is I that your is it. that your label, your own record label? Is it a distribution service? What do you guys do there? You know, honestly, I don't I don't know. I don't know what we're going to be doing with it. All I know is that that's 100% mine and I own it. Yeah. And whatever I'm going to be doing around it is going to be coming out in this next year. Like I'm I'm thinking of like even doing like like I I was thinking of even releasing a record a traditional record with mm -hmm. the with the with um my wife is was is a traditional hand drum singer and she's amazing talented mm -hmm. talented 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 she's she's awesome but she's never released a record so okay. you know that's a possibility you know I'm 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 I'm, I'm looking I can't rap forever basically mm -hmm. I, I look at it the way I have it I'm gonna be doing albums and helping but people make music after that but you know like. I want to set myself up to where I can be able to make decisions like that and help other people, help other artists. Yeah. Help help younger artists, help the youth. I mean, no one did that shit for me back in the day. Like, nowadays, it's so easy for artists to be artists. Yeah. I mean, you go out and buy an iPhone and download GarageBand and boom, you can go out <laughs> and record some shit. You know what I mean? And back in the day, you couldn't do that shit. Back yeah. in the day, you had to really actually grind, and that's where I want to take it back. It's the actual grind. Dude, Book I remember... Time. I remember you know. recording my like I've been recording music you know ever since I fell in love with it in uh, in the eighties right and uh, I uh, I remember I would trade weed and beer because I had built my own recording studio into my uh, room um, and I would trade weed and beer you know for people to come over and I would record them on tapes this is back back in the tapes days right and so yeah. I would have I would have clean tapes sitting on the side with the with the tape case and everything. And then so people would bring over weed and beer, and I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll start recording and jamming and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Now, now when you talk about uh, Hell and Back music, the, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things, I know you already fucking know this, but licensing, you, I mean, I would encourage you to get into licensing music because you've been doing a lot of stuff. You just got done talking about Apple. I've been actually, that's, that's, been, my, that's been the hustle that I've been I've been focusing a lot more on getting my music out there, mm -hmm. and I've I recently licensed a bunch of the the new music to Blackstone. I'm sure if you heard of Blackstone, it's a native TV show yeah. on APTN and in other places. It's really yeah, I've heard of it. I've, really run into, I've run across it like when I go to the Canadian websites, um, but I've never watched the actual show. You got and you—that's another well, thing. You well, fuckers up in well, Canada, man. You got some damn native TV shows that we don't got down here. Yeah. We got our own native AP10, our own yeah. But like, but that's the thing. I, another thing I, I can touch base on later on. But um, like I, I've been just trying to get my my music on on movies, on commercials, on TV shows, mm -hmm. on, you know, because that's that's a good wave to jump on. Yeah. I the way I look at it, it's just another way to get your music more out there. I mean, I had to, yeah. I. I I really had to reinvent my whole grind and hustle because, you know, uh, we went from recording whole albums to, you know, the whole, the whole thing where people were just selling ringtones, and then there was from ringtones they were just selling singles, and then, mm -hmm. you know, like you didn't really have to have a whole album. You can get rich off of a single, so people's yeah. focus were that. That this and that. now, like even just hard copy albums are like almost going to be obsolete soon. Yeah. Everybody can just go download something and this and that. So is you have to always reinvent your own hustle. And, yeah. and right now, the main hustle that I've been doing is just getting on my soul can up and going out there 
and pushing my music towards good opportunities like that to get my music on videos and music mm -hmm. on movies and whatnot. And the way I, I, that made it possible is like, I didn't even know we had music on, on a movie called FUBAR. You ever watch FUBAR? Never. Never heard of it. Never? Look it up. It's a movie about two Canadian dudes, old rockers and whatnot, and they're from Fort Mac, or they do the oil fields. <laughs> it's it's a messed up movie. Yeah. But it's that, I, I didn't know that we had music on there. I hmm. had no clue until... I was watching it on TV. All of a sudden, I heard my music. And I heard my man Tommy Slav rapping and then myself rapping. And, you know, and uh, they paid us back in the day. They, like, because I used to get just random little money from from everybody at Res Official from time to time. Yeah. That was one of them. Uh -huh. I guess they gave me some money for that because, and I didn't know. I didn't care at the time. I was like, okay, well, whatever. But now that showed me that it's possible. So I took that. Now, like, you're gonna hear my music on some a lot of good things coming up and. You know, and then anybody out there reading this or seeing this or whatever, you can see this and hit me up, hallenbag at gmail.com. I got tons of new music on the rise. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, man, you know, shit. I like that. <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's a, because it, I know that it's real important licensing. I, that's like one of the things I've been preaching to people is go figure out license, go, go, go here, go there, wherever. Because licensing is super important. You can license artwork, audio. Visuals. Yeah, I mean, you can do. Yeah. You can license Everything. just Imaging, about anything. Your face image. Yeah. All that shit. You yeah. Can anything. You know. You as long as you got, as long as you got a, a marketable product. Yeah. You can always get up and have fun with it. You know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. And, and that's what's cool about this is that it's not even work, man. Like I don't look at this as work. I, I call it work because I have to keep telling myself it's work. Yeah. But it's not work because I love doing what I'm doing. You know, I'm not getting up every morning dreading. Oh God, I gotta go to work. I gotta do this. <laughs> You know, I'm getting up knowing that I get to chill, you know, mm -hmm. and I get to make money and then and I have to take care of my family. Yeah. You know, my wife right now, she, she's working at, she's working a job too mm -hmm. and everything. And, you know, like I, I bring in, I bring in the money too and she brings in her money too. And, you know, that's what makes us a family. We, mm -hmm. we, we handle everything together and we tackle everything together. And that's yeah. the reason why I married my wife. She's, she's my best fucking friend. For real. Yeah. I don't I don't trust anybody out there really. I don't really trust a lot of people, but I know I can trust my wife, you know. I have friends. I really do. I know I do, but like I re I really just love my wife. My wife is is the main person in my life. Friends yeah. are friends. My wife, my wife and she's my best person everything. I, no, I hear you. I believe in everything we do, so, you know. Yeah. This is Body Talk, man. I'm just trying to stay out of it. Before we go any further, don't get frustrated. It's a long show. Here's one from Elijah Nong.
Over at Magic Island today, the 45th annual Inner Island Powwow. It's a time for Hawaii's Native American community to gather and honor their culture and traditions. Organizers say the event continues to grow each year, especially with champion singers, dancers, and drummers flying in to participate. Hawaii has a large Native American community, uh, largely unseen, um, and so the powwow, uh, when we put it on, everybody comes to the powwow and we're able to meet uh, new people that we might not have known. But, and that's the whole reason behind a powwow is to, you know, enjoy each other's company, uh, see old friends and make new ones. The intertribal powwow continues tomorrow at Magic Island from 10 to 5. It's open and free to the public.
Goodbye. What's it like to receive a tattoo that's chosen for you? Do they know how it works that it's not like you yeah. get to pick number four off the wall? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think, <laughs> yeah. So you guys know that? Yeah. You don't get to ask for what you want on your body. In Hawaii, people are trusting their skin to a tattoo master who uses ancient designs and techniques to tell stories of ancestry and personal history. For thousands of years, tattoos have been part of cultures all over the world. I'm Chelsea Pineda. And I'm Sydney Kramer. Together, we're on a journey to discover the history, traditions, and future of body art. This is Ink Expedition.
why? <laughs> We're in Hawaii to meet tattoo master Kione Nunez, who creates traditional hand-tapped tattoos. Hawaiian tattoos are based on genealogical and personal history. How they appear on the wearer is up to the tattoo master. Nunez is world-renowned for his work as a tattoo master. Before training a number of apprentices, he was the only tattoo artist left on the island still practicing hand tapping. Gracie. Gracie. She likes shoes. You, you know, I don't, I won't go out to the forest and, and, or to the beach and sit down and meditate and get a design and things of that nature. Um, but rather I talk to my ancestors and, they, and my teachers who have left. And they come to me and they, they um, guide me. It's, you know, I don't, I don't want people to look at me as like a spiritual tattooist or whatever because it's not about that, it's about doing the work. Today, he's visited by a returning client. Well, my choice for one today is not, it's just to do it. It's not what the thing is because that's, you know, their work. I really was never interested in tattooing for myself. So when I heard about Keone and what he does, it was really just the ancestry and the marking of something ancient and that related to me so personally that was of interest. I think part of the reason I wanted this is to um, just connect to my own personal heritage more in a public way because ultimately that is why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? Are you certain of the bird? Oh, the bird's gone. The bird's... Yeah. No bird. <laughs> We're kidding. Yeah. Don't worry. Where's the bird? No. Don't worry, it's there. As Nunes prepares to work, he is surrounded by apprentices and former clients. We spoke with Kavika Ao to learn more about having a tattoo chosen for you. Uh, but the design process is all him. Uh, the, the person has no input on what designs go on. It's all about trust. Um, and you trust in his, in the kuna, the master, to know the designs that are supposed to be on you, to ho'omana you, or to uh, give you power or things that you're lacking. To find out more, we asked tattoo anthropologist Lars Krutak. Traditional Hawaiian tattoos are hand-tapped, applied with the cadence of a heartbeat rather than the buzz of an electric machine. The oldest tattooing tools yet found in Hawaii date to about 1100 AD, which is about the same time that people first arrived in the Hawaiian Islands, so presumably they brought tattooing technology with them. If you were more heavily marked than your foe in the field of battle, I'm sure that you had a psychological advantage over your enemy because these tattoos could be read more or less like a visual language and you could tell a lot about that person's exploits. So traditionally it was 
Um, people who deserve tattoos got tattoos. Um, there are several times in a person's life as a rite of passage, as uh, the rite of uh, accomplishing something, that uh, tattoos were given to the individual. Jennifer has seen the outline of her tattoo, but has no idea how the final product will appear. Maybe I'll be surprised, but it's not, this is actually something I wanted for a long, long time. Um, and I was excited to see what they were going to come up with and the reasons why and everything. So yeah, I'm just excited and looking forward to having it, you know? We're done. Yeah. This, again, is uh, a bird. Uh, and that represents you because that's uh, that's your journey. That's that bird right there. Yeah. When Keone's clients trust him to choose their design for them, they're continuing a ritual that has been upheld and honored for thousands of years. The sound of the tapping is beautiful. And it, it should never be void of, uh, uh, of Hawaii should never be void of that sound anymore. Next time on Ink Expedition. We're diving into the history of New York's tattoo scene to see how it exploded from an underground subculture into the mainstream. Welcome to Hawaii, the home of aloha yeah. and the birthplace of surfing. It's a slice of paradise for some but behind the postcard facade, native Hawaiians, the Kanaka Maoli, have a different story to tell. Hawaii is being sold to the global elite. It's not a give and take, it's like a take, 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 take. It's a struggle for land, language, and culture, forcibly taken from them by the United States of America. This is a theft premeditated, systematized theft. We do not consider ourselves American. We are not gonna be quiet. We meet people determined to right these wrongs and keep Hawaii Hawaiian. They like took it away in three generations. We're gonna get it back in one. This is our home. We're here. Day number one of the Billabong Throw Pipeline event. 13 minutes, 25 seconds remaining. Men's In the place today. where surfing began, the most famous of all competitions is underway on the North Shore. The Pipeline Pro. Whoa, check out this energy. It is pumping pipeline. Day one, pipeline's turning on. Jack Robinson from Western Australia falls through the sky, riding through the pipe barrel, grabbing rail, Boom. coming out with a spin. Among the favorites is 11-time world champ, American Kelly Slater. He turns 50 next week. Big birthday coming up in a few days, man. You think this could be the birthday present? It already is. It already has been. These waves. 
For Hawaiian surfers like Seth Moniz, it's a chance to shine on home turf in the sport these islands gifted to the world. It's a great honor, obviously. You know, I am, I'm a native Hawaiian. I have Hawaiian blood, so that is very special to me. My whole family, friends, cousins, they, they've all been coming down and supporting, so it's awesome. We're so grateful to kick off the championship tour here in Hawaii, the birthplace of surfing. The women are tackling pipeline for the first time in competition, and the Hawaiians are leading the charge. None more so than Hawaii's queen of surfing, five-time world champ, Carissa Moore. She's just awesome. You can actually watch like women go out there, which really inspires people like me who surf. Do you? Have you ever been out of pipeline? No, I'm not doing that yet, no. <laughs> the winter swells of the Pacific Ocean peak at this time of year. In a matter of hours, the wave size can go from playful to life-threatening. It is absolutely massive out there at Pipeline. Oh my lord! They must be 20-foot faces that the surfers are tapping right now. We're seeing broken boards, but thankfully, not too much damage to the surfers themselves. The Hawaiian Water Patrol behind me, they've got this show on lock. Doesn't matter how big it is, they're out there sorting it out, keeping everyone safe so this contest can keep on going. Most of the time it's just like broken leashes, broken boards. Maybe like six or seven broken boards today. It's pretty gnarly when it's rugged out there. Born and bred on Oahu's North Shore, Pamai Hoapili is a member of the Hawaiian Water Patrol. None of our crew got injured, so everybody gets to go home in their own car. Not an ambulance. <laughs> Here, surfing in the ocean is about much more than a multi-billion dollar industry. It's the root of Hawaiian culture. For hundreds of years, Hawaiians, even their kings and queens, surfed on wooden boards like these. These are like recycled boards. These are some of the boards that I make. They're like old school style. Back in the day, they're all like one piece, like 22 feet long. What was that, seven meters? The most revered practitioners of this ocean culture are known as the watermen and women of the islands. What makes a good waterman or waterwoman? To me, if I had to put like a type of word to it, I would say like gracious in the oceans and on land too. Culminating that into your life to where everything seems like surfing or like flowing, and that's like the ultimate goal. That flow was best exemplified by Duke Kahanamoku, the father of modern surfing. At Bondi Beach, we have a welcome visitor, Duke Kahanamoku. Last time he came to Australia, he introduced the surfboard to this country from his native Hawaii. How much pleasure the sport you introduced has brought to countless Australians. Duke's aquatic prowess crossed from the ocean to the Olympic swimming pool, where he won three gold medals for the United States. 
almost 100 years after his success, surfing made its debut in the Tokyo Olympics. The women's gold medal was won by Hawaii's Carissa Moore. Unlike in pro surfing, Hawaiians at the Olympics compete under the American flag. For many, a reminder of deep historical grievances. It was huge, yeah. It was a big deal in Hawaii. People were talking about it, like, oh, you didn't give us the flag. Everyone knows she's still Hawaiian. You know, we are our own country. There is no annexation treaty. Like, we are actually our own sovereign nation illegally occupied by the United States of America. January 17th, 1893 was the day that we lost our status as an independent Hawaiian nation. We were invaded by the U.S. and it was a small group of American businessmen that overthrew our peaceful nation and imprisoned our queen in her own palace. This whole history has been hidden from our people. It was part of the Americanization, colonization of Hawaii. A lot of us grew up not even knowing about the overthrow. These annual marches to Iolani Palace began in 1993, on the 100th anniversary of the Queen's overthrow. They were led by the iconic activist, the late Haunani K. Trusk. The Americans, my people, are our enemies, and you must understand that they are our enemies. They took our land, they imprisoned our queen, they banned our language. We are not American! We are not American! We are not American! We are not American! Say it in your heart, say it when you sleep. We are not American! We will die as Hawaiians, we will never be Americans! I would like to believe that when she spoke those strong words that shook me inside, that we are not American, that she meant that we are a people who don't abandon the natural laws of our island. In our resistance... Kalehua Krug is a community leader and a school principal. Resistance is not only how we get our land back. Definitely the seeds that we plant through resistance are going to get us control, political control back of our lands. Um, but it's also medicine. That resistance is how we heal. Queen Liliuokalani was overthrown by the plantation oligarchs, known as the Big Five. They transformed the islands into farms to mass produce sugar and fruit. As the demand for pineapple grew, so did the need for more land. So, in 1922, James Dole bought the island of Lanai and converted it from a cactus-covered island into the largest pineapple plantation in the world. Over the decades, Hawaii was also becoming increasingly important as a strategic base, and in 1959, became the 50th state of the USA. This triggered a boom in tourism, today Hawaii's largest source of income. 
Waikiki. Waikiki Beach is the jewel in the crown of the tourism industry. Every year, millions of visitors descend on this piece of sand for their taste of paradise. But at the edge of this playground is a different reality. This flip side is what Indigenous filmmaker Chris Kahunahana wants the world to see. Waikiki is a story about contemporary Hawaii. Initially, for the film industry, Hawaii was seen as Hollywood's backdrop. So, you know, it, it served as a beautiful location for a Caucasian-centered hero. They shoot here, but the stories weren't created here. They weren't about here. They were just using here as an exotic location that's prettier than Detroit, for instance, right? The world started to understand the value of authentic stories, right? People were getting tired of seeing the same old shit. Yes, hey! Yes, hi! It's all filmed before, what is this? ABC Australia. YouTube? ABC Australia, television. I can't even hear you. What is You, uh, YouTube. YouTube? Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir, for All right. Yes, sir. Hawaii. Hawaii, Ever Beach! Ever Beach! <laughs> the price of land has been rising steadily over the past decade. It shot up even higher during COVID as mainlanders bought island getaways. Hawaii is being sold to the global elite. Hawaiians and the local population is competing against unlimited funds from everywhere. It's always ranked one, two, or three as the most expensive places to live in the United States. So it's either New York, San Francisco, or Hawaii, and it fluctuates. But man, at least in San Francisco, and I mean, you know, you got the tech industry, and in New York, it's media, it's fucking New York. How are they supposed to compete against that? Like, what kind of jobs are they supposed to have? Uh, unfortunately, the only jobs that they provide for people in Hawaii is tourism jobs, which are like servant jobs, right? It's like you're servicing a population, providing them with entertainment and uh, an experience. It makes you like a servant to the system. It's like you can't live outside of the system without land. We talk about Hawaiians not being able to afford here. What happens if Hawaiians can't live here? I mean, yeah, well, without Hawaiians, is, there, is it really Hawaii? It's not. And then the, the powers that be, they don't give a shit. The housing affordability crisis is driving a homeless epidemic. The state has one of the highest per capita rates of homelessness in the US. Native Hawaiians have been hardest hit. It's hard to go anywhere on the island of Oahu and not encounter the problem. So I notice here in Hawaii, no one says homeless. They say houseless. They're displaced. It's not like they don't belong here. It's like when you say they're homeless, it's like they don't have a home. No, they actually have a home. You know, the fact that they can't afford to purchase a house, I mean, it's still their home.
short drive from Waikiki is the Waianae Boat Harbour. Here, a community of houseless Hawaiians are tackling the crisis together. Twinkle Borge is the camp's matriarch. So at night when you come in, we do have securities. We do have securities that sit here. This is yeah. Herman, he's one of my okay. heads. That's my head of my securities. This is one of my overseas. Herman, nice to meet you. you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're looking after the place at night? Yeah. This is Pua Hanua Owainai. Pua Hanua means place of refuge. I've been here since all the way back to 2004. At that time, it was only seven of us. And as people started coming with family, I would just give away my camp. Yeah, because my thing was I, I didn't want to see the kids stressing. I didn't want to see them sleeping on the ground. Twinkle transformed that makeshift camp into something more permanent. Today, around 250 people live here. Yeah, so this is my bedroom. That actually works. That actually works? Yeah, that actually works. I mean, this is our home, you know? We don't have the privilege of going in and turning on our lights or flicking on that, um, that pipe to turn on our water. Here we have generators. We bring in our own water. Got to get the water every day, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I don't like the bugs. I hate bugs. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you guys been living here? Ten years. Ten years? Yeah. Feel safe here? Oh, yes. Yeah. 22-year-old John Isaac moved here four years ago. My parents actually moved in before I did. I was living on my own already. Mm -hmm. But the household I was living with was getting evicted, so I never let like, be a burden to them. Welcome to Hawaii. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha. My son, I got four. And he's one of them that stays in the front with the front line. Mama Twinkle's then. Twinkle's team? Yes, we all are. Every single one of us in here. She's just one of those that is willing to be the spear, the head of that spear. Isaac. I always ask myself, what can I do? How can we get them help? What can be built for them? I'm not saying that we 100% solution. We part of that solution. Kanakamali Hawaiians are looking to themselves for solutions. The classroom is ground zero. Kalehua Krug is the principal at Kavaiona Akana Aval, a charter school that focuses on reviving Hawaiian culture. When you give history to them at a young age, when you give the culture and ceremony and language to them at a young age, they don't have to feel the loss like we did. You know, they don't have to take that punch in the gut that we had to, had to take as a generation of, of natives in this time period. 
for them, it's hopefully lessening the load or the intergenerational trauma that they have to bear. We still believe in the sciences. We still believe in physics and engineering. We still believe in mathematics. As long as the, the ethics that come from the wisdom of our ancestry are attached to them. In the valley behind the school is one of several US military bases. The students regularly hear the sound of bombing from over the range. We tell them, you hear that? Do you feel that in your, in your stomach? Because I felt it in my stomach. It was like an earthquake. We can't keep letting it happen without feeling the pain that the earth is feeling, that the, that the land is feeling, the creatures there are feeling. We have military families send their children here. Uh, so we're not necessarily preaching uh, demilitarization, but we're, we're teaching you to see that as wrong. Aloha. Desecration of land is wrong. Since the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom, the US armed forces have always had a presence in Hawaii. Pearl Harbor may well be the most famous military base here in Hawaii, but their reach extends much further. Across the island of Oahu, the military occupy more than 20% of the land. That's in a place where land is pretty hard to come by. Adding insult to injury, the US Navy recently admitted to leaking jet fuel into Oahu's freshwater supply, putting at risk around 400,000 people who rely on this water. The travesty that we're facing right now with uh, jet fuel in our aquifer, uh, that is an example that the US Navy does not embrace our values. They don't understand water flow. They don't understand how to care for natural resources. They, do not, they don't care about anyone downstream. The water crisis has emboldened calls for the state of Hawaii to cancel the military's leases, due for renewal in 2029. It has also amplified the debate about stolen land. If we still had our land base, we would not be like this. This is a theft, you know, premeditated, systematized theft. And they took it from our Ali, they took it from our chiefs, they took it from the royalty, they took it from all of our families, historically, so that they had the land base, because land, you know, builds generational wealth and they could control the resources, they could lock up the water, they could lock up the food, they could lock up the ability for Hawaii to self-sustain. In a valley not far from the school, some of that land is being taken back. Here we are. After living almost 20 years in the Boat Harbor camp, Twinkle and her team are building a permanent home for their community. For the last five years, I kept telling people, even the people on top of my team, and they would laugh when I said, this is going to be our home. Five years, I passed this gate and said, this is going to be our home. Well, this is our home. We're here. Through a mix of donations and grants, Twinkle was able to purchase his 20-acre parcel of land, Puuhonua Maoka. 
My paydays is when my kids bring me home the diplomas. Yeah. That's paydays. Might be a sacrifice for me, but at the end it'll be a reward. Yeah, to see the accomplishment, to see the the, the cycle they're breaking for their family, you know, just to get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's paydays. Across the islands, there is a growing movement to keep Hawaii Hawaiian. Back on the North Shore, Pamai knows that the tide is turning. It's kind of like a modern Hawaiian renaissance. Everyone's becoming more educated about it and how to deal with it. My daughter's in fifth grade, and in Olelo Hawaii, I'm in third grade. <laughs> and so. It's funny to come home and have conversations about school, and I'm trying to like speak Hawaiian to her as much as I can. You speak better than your dad? He's learning, so <laughs> kind of. It's finals day at the Pipeline Pro, and the Water Patrol is back to work. Pamai takes me for a spin on the jet ski to check out the conditions up close. How's it looking, bruh? Looks pretty fun. Yeah. It's on. The pride of the Hawaiian crowd, Seth Moniz is surfing against the greatest of all time, Kelly Slater. Seth's support crew is firing up. Thirty years after he first won here at Pipeline, Slater does it again. Claiming this historic victory, Slater pays his respect to the islands of Hawaii. Everyone who comes to Hawaii should, should take care of this place and, and really respect the culture and the locals and, and realize it's, it's their home and it's, it's your place to visit, but you know, 
take care of it and look after it. It's really special, and I'm just I'm happy I could you know make them proud and make it to the finals. You know we're almost there, one spot off. But look, I'm, I'm gonna be here for a long time, so I'm, I'm excited for the future. The women's final is an all Hawaiian affair. The favorite Carissa Moore and local wildcard Moana Jones Wong. I'm just so super happy that the Hawaiians are dominating their sport again. I, I'm getting goosebumps. I feel super good because all the little girls, so many little girls are out here watching them. And I mean, I'm proud of them. Look at these waves. They're huge. Great to see the Kanaka Maoli women out there wearing their flag. Finally, you know, so proud of them. Today, it's not Carissa's day. Moana is crowned the first queen of Pipeline. I used to be that kid on the beach screaming Carissa's name. And I grew up just watching the Pipe Masters all the time, like thinking I would never even go out there. So to come out here and like win the contest, like an actual ginormous contest like this is insane. Everybody came down to watch me, screaming for me, just like so much support, and I couldn't have done it without them. That was a big result, you know. There's like three out of four people in finals from Hawaii. That's huge. Well, it's really cool to see that go down in history. As the world tour moves on, in the birthplace of surfing, the message is clear. Hawaiians just want to be Hawaiian in Hawaii. Be Hawaiian, speak Hawaiian, live Hawaiian. The longer you stay alive, the longer people remember like, you're here. But if we stop, down the line, people stop talking about us, we disappear. So we gotta keep practicing. Right here in the islands, called poverty and violence. From acting out, remain silent. From acting out, remain silent. To keep Hawaii, Hawaii. Right here in the island, people wear chains called poverty and violence. From acting out, remain silent. Stepped in the game, keep Hawaii, Hawaii. You're right here in the island, people wear chains called poverty and violence. This has been an episode of Body Talk. You can hear our sound on Intertribal Radio. All these things have already been done. All the information is already out there. Somebody's got to put it together. Thanks for tuning in to the North Star.